Now, the Apostle Peter reminds us this way. Listen to what he says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He says, we're a chosen people, a chosen race. He's speaking specifically in the language that God gave to Abraham and the Jewish people. This now extends to all those now who embrace Israel's Messiah, who is Jesus Christ. In Christ, we're a chosen race, a people for his own possession, that, and this is the purpose, that we may proclaim, proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Think about this for a moment. We go from groping in darkness to serving ourselves to wondering why we're starved for joy, starved for direction. And when we begin to follow Jesus, we have the light of the world who begins to, to lead us a way forward. And as we're being led, he gives us this great purpose that through us, others can come to know him. Abounding in Faith is the broadcast ministry of Emmanuel Bible Church of Howell, New Jersey. If you are blessed by this message, please subscribe to our podcast or YouTube channel. You can also download our app by searching for IBCNJ in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. For more information, please visit us at www.ibcnj.org. Our speaker today is Senior Pastor Joe Suazo. If you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to encourage you. We're going to continue in our study in the book of Genesis. And if you can turn to Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, uh, the Pew Bibles are in front of you, and I encourage you to pick those up, read with me, and I'll even give you the page number to make it easier for you. Pew Bibles, page 8, that's right in the beginning, Genesis means beginnings, and uh, this is a key passage because we're transitioning now to the life of Abraham, which is also called the father of Israel or the father of the Jewish nation. And this is a big transition in the Bible. We went from the first chapters that speak about the creation of the heavens and the earth and uh, God's judgment upon the world and the uh, raising up of the righteous man Noah and the table of nations, which to this day are true, you see. That's the origins of this world. And so we have these first foundational chapters. Now we come to Abraham and the rest of all the scriptures of the Old Testament uh, come from the people of Israel, the Jewish people. It's important. So this is a key chapter of scripture. So let's stand as we read these first 10 verses. Chapter 12 of Genesis, verses 1 through 10. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I'll show you. And I'll make you a great nation. And I'll bless you and make your name great. So that you will be a blessing and I'll bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I'll curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abraham took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son 
and all their possessions they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Morah. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I'll give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him from there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and I in the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going towards the Negev. And now there is a famine in the land. And uh, the scripture says here in verse 10, the famine was severe. Father, as we just look at these verses together. We pray that your spirit would help us to find application to our hearts. We thank you for the word of God that's living, active, sharper than any double-edged sword, able to pierce uh, to the dividing of our soul and spirit. And so we pray for your just anointing upon this time. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, Newsflash for most of us, uh, life is difficult, is it not? I have not talked to one person, unless they're a little bit on the borderline of insanity, that says this life is easy. Uh, Jesus gives us a promise in the midst of that knowledge that life has its difficulties. He says that uh, in this world you have tribulation. But in me, you'll have peace. And so, we have a world out there that's telling us all kinds of ways to find our rest and our peace and our way forward and our direction in life. And we go about stumbling, somewhat groping almost in darkness, trying to find our way. We know life is difficult. We're trying to reach for, for direction and we wonder why it's not coming because the scriptures, it says, self tells us that there's only one place to find it. And that is in the Lord himself who created us with a purpose that only can be discovered when we begin to follow him. But here's the truth I really want us to, to grasp and understand this morning. Even when we choose to follow him, that does not mean life will get easier. In fact, I hate to, to break the news to you that in some ways it can become more difficult. But here's the promise. That even in the midst of the difficulties that the Lord allows in our lives, he's present and gives us a peace that scripture says passes all understanding. That's good news. I think one of the most exciting things when we choose to follow Jesus is that he gives us a new life and a new purpose. You know, we talk about this regularly as a church. I don't know if some of you noticed on the side of the church here, it says growing hearts in Jesus. It begins there that we have this growing relationship with him. He begins to show us that we go from a place of serving ourselves to serving greater purposes than ourselves, which is the Lord himself. 
And there's great blessing, great joy in that, to go beyond ourselves. Now, the Apostle Peter reminds us this way. Listen to what he says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He says, we're a chosen people, a chosen race. He's speaking specifically in the language that God gave to Abraham and the Jewish people. This now extends to all those now who embrace Israel's Messiah, who is Jesus Christ. In Christ were a chosen race, a people for his own possession, that, and this is the purpose, that we may proclaim, proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Think about this for a moment. We go from groping in darkness to serving ourselves to wondering why we're starved for joy, starved for direction. And when we begin to follow Jesus, we have the light of the world who begins to, to lead us a way forward. And as we're being led, he gives us this great purpose that through us, others can come to know him. I speak to my sister. She speaks to Amanda. Amanda speaks to Angelique. And hopefully, my dear friends, my new friends here in these, this pew, you're listening too. You got me? Good. Because Rosaria, I'm going to hold that guy accountable, man. <laughs> so we come in our text to Abram, the father of the Jewish nation. The first thing we see is how God calls him to follow and tells him that he would be a blessing. And of course, we know how he would be a blessing. That through the nation that Abram would bear up, which would be the Jewish people, we would receive the word of God. All these 66 books in this Bible, with the exception of two, are written by Jewish people. The word of God, the light unto the nations. And then through this nation, Jesus would come. The savior of the world. So God is telling Abraham, through you, Abraham didn't see it in its entirety, through you, I'm going to bless all nations. Now, now there's something strange in the text here, because what we discover about Abraham in our own lives, if we really look deeply, is God always inserts a challenge when we choose to go and follow a cross to deny self, and despite this pattern of scripture that there's going to be difficulty and challenges along the way, we're kind of surprised when they come, aren't, aren't we? I remember when uh, my wife and I served a number of years in India, but before I got there, I was like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to India. Da, 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 da. First year, I spent six months convalescing in bed. Hepatitis, dysentery, this, that. I wasn't expecting that. I was like, my bubble was burst. Yet the God of, the, of this scripture was true in saying, you know what? If you're going to follow me, follow me. Even while you're convalescing on bed. And by the way, one of the first churches got planted while I spent time praying in bed while a partner was up the street sharing the gospel. So we don't know what God's going to do, right? We see in our text that God calls Abram to be a blessing in chapter 12, verse 2 of Genesis. It's also accompanied 
by a call to leave his home in verse 1 on an arduous 1500 mile journey hey this was not in a um, SUV what's the SUV Cadillac that what's the name of that Escalade it wasn't one of those he didn't have like hey let's pull this up where's Keenan on my Google Maps he had God's voice and the stars above that's it and then we read in after verses 3 and 4 after he arrives to the place God chooses to lead him to he's worshiping giving thanks oh this is great I finally made it verse 10 a famine comes in the land a severe famine what's up with this Lord I thought you were gonna lead me into good things here's the truth I want us to to see this morning God has called all of us here every one of us in Christ to follow to discover a purpose and a vision for our lives greater than ourselves to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us to have darkness into his marvelous light but this is the hard truth that we will have to accept there will be great challenge along the way but you know what what I've discovered I've been walking with the Lord almost 40 years now God always shows up so let's look at this let's look at these these few truths that we're gonna find here first thing I want to see is what it means to follow God's vision he's designed us to be a blessing it's a reoccurring theme through scripture we find in the first chapter of Genesis that God creates us man in his image and one of the reasons he creates us in his image he blesses us this is going back to Adam now and he says to Adam I want you to be a blessing and he's going to fill the earth so he's blessed to be a blessing you know it's like think about this way if if I were to give my new friend here Jerome a thousand dollars I just roll off 10 100 you'd say that's awesome and you went out and spent every penny on yourself that's not blessed to be blessed but a blessing that'd be blessed to serve yourself but let's say Jerome says you know I'm going back to my family I'm gonna take them out to dinner I'm gonna give them something now he's been blessed to bless others you see that's the idea here behind Scripture that we're blessed to be blessed that whatever God's giving you now you get to from the overflow of what God has given you you get to give to other people Jesus put it this way if you're thirsty come to me and drink whoever believes in me as the scripture says out of his heart will flow rivers of living water love it love it last week we sang Psalm 34 which invites us to magnify the Lord well what does that mean it comes from the Psalms it means to make more of God in this world 
Adam and Eve were called to populate it and tend to it and steward it and care for it. After the flood, Noah was invited to, to also bless the world. And now in Genesis chapter 12, we see the same pattern. Abram would become a great nation through God's blessing. That through this nation, his blessing would be known to all peoples. And we're here today because of that. Well, that brings us to the challenge. The challenge of following. At this point, almost every believer's happy, excited. Yeah, yeah, I got purpose. Ooh, awesome. I'm called by God to be a blessing. It's a joyful thing to know we have purpose in this world. It's greater in ourselves. Perhaps Abram felt that way when he left his land. Genesis chapter 12, 1, he goes from his country, his kindred, his father's house, that God would show him. He leaves everything, takes his family, possessions. But somehow, I'm pretty sure that he didn't count on some of the challenges that were coming come along the way. There are several challenges that you see here in the text. One is, as I shared already, just making a journey of, of hundreds of miles in the ancient world had to be difficult. That was one. A second one would be his age. I mean, he's 75 years old. Now, uh, granted, after the flood, men were and women were healthier. You know, the genetic gene pool wasn't so diluted as it is now. We're all kind of like the runts of the litter after generations, you know, bad backs, bad knees, whatever. Um, that would be another challenge. Uh, and then the challenge, he would have to convince others, it says in Haran, that he brought others along with him. Can you imagine trying to say, hey, listen, you're not going to believe this, but God who you can't see, the God who you can't see has told me that I'm going to go to this place and I'm going to build a great nation to be a blessing to all the world around us. Right, Abraham. What's interesting is Abraham's father, and this is according to the Midrash, this is a tradition, was an idol maker. So he grew up amidst a very pagan culture. In Haran, which was known as a place of great idolatry, he would have had to convince people who were beholden to idols to now begin to worship a god who you cannot see. You see, that's the difference between what we do and those who are worshiping sticks and stones. We worship that which we can't see, but we worship based on a spoken word. That's what faith is. So he had all these challenges. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9. Whoever would come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. A cross and self-denial, by the way, is not something we bargain for when we follow Jesus. You know, I kind of like, I mean, this is me now, it, there is literally a bobblehead Jesus. Has anybody ever seen that? A couple people have seen that? And he's happy. But there's a problem with that. That's not the way the scripture describes Jesus. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He went to a cross to die for our sins. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. But, you know, there's part of us that we want the kind of... 
We want every day to be a VBS. But it's not, is it? And we find again and again in scriptures that this is the pattern. I haven't kept an exact count, of course, but I would say I've seen more people who claim to have followed Jesus shrink back from following and going forward than those who've actually gone forward. Why? Because of difficulty. And this is where we get into this important point in our message today is while there may be joy in following and the vision that God gives us, there is also lament. Lament is sorrow along the way. Lament in God's discipline, God's things that he's teaching us. Success is always accompanied by challenge. This is true of even the ungodly. We read in Genesis chapter 12, verses 4, that Abram went as the Lord told him. That's obedience. Verse 5, we read that Abraham successfully arrives in Canaan with family, large following that he was able to convince, where God appears to him in verse 7, to remind him of the promise to your offspring, I'll give the land. I like Abraham's response in verse 8. He worships, he builds an altar, gives thanks. Verse 8, he, we see Abram call upon the Lord, where he builds another altar, and finally arriving at what would be southern Israel today in the negative. It's a little bit of a map there. It's a lot of traveling going on there, by foot, by the way. All's good here. So far, so good. Abraham's life is successful despite the challenge of the journey. He convinces his family to go with him. Two altars, praise, thanksgiving, all's good. Okay, what's, what's next, Lord? What other blessings do you have for me? Answer, verse 10. God allows in his sovereignty a famine. A famine. Now there's a famine in the Lord. In fact, the text calls it a severe famine. And the Hebrew word for severe can be translated too heavy to carry. Too hard to penetrate. Too massive to to overcome. Wait, 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 Lord. I've left everything to follow you. My land. I put my reputation on the line by convincing others that God that we can't see told us that we're going to make a great nation, be a blessing, and now you allow a famine? <laughs> Me no likey. This reminds me a lot of what God called Moses to go through after he led Israel out of Egypt back to the promised land. No food, no water, too heavy, too hard, too massive. We see at different points Moses struggling, complaining. And what is Abram's first response in Genesis chapter 12 verse 10? We're going to talk about this more next week. This insurmountable trial run, run, let me get out of here and go down to Egypt. I don't think that's where God told him to go, by the way. Listen to his promise 
of Christ. This is in Mark 10, 29, verse 31. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left home or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or lands for my sake. This is Jesus speaking. And for the gospel will not receive a hundredfold now in this life and also the life to come. That's, that's awesome. And so here's the temptation. And we're going to explore this more next week. That we see God's faithfulness to Abraham. Despite the running, despite uh, everything that Abraham did, contrary to what God was calling him to do, God brings him back. God is patient. Even though he allowed something too heavy, too massive, God is in the business of changing us. That's what God was doing with Abram. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. Some of us know this passage so well. The Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Amanda, this beautiful girl, Angelique, you think she's not going to try to disobey you? Look, she's looking at me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, I'm out of here. Get me out of here, Aunt Christy. It's within her nature and it's your responsibility to bring discipline. Listen to what God says in Hebrews. God is treating you as sons when he brings just discipline. If we had earthly fathers or mothers who disciplined us and we respected them, shall we not much more be subject to the father of our spirits and live? God is in the business of not only giving us purpose and vision, but also he desires to transform us, change us along the way. And he does that through challenges, disciplines, and difficulties. We know this to be true. This is throughout scripture. Yet when it comes, we're shocked by it. This is the consistent pattern of every saint in history. We want it easy. We want to be comfortable. We want to be safe. But that is the place where our soul is at most in danger. When we're the most safe, that's when we're in the most danger from a spiritual point of view. Faith is not stretched and accomplished in the comfortable places. And because God wants us to depend on him, not ourselves, he allows things into us so that we can give him the glory at the end of the hour, right? I didn't do it. I want to take credit, but by the time I'm finished getting through the, the God school of learning, I said, I think I understand, Lord. You want me to, to say, God's brought me through this. I didn't bring myself through this. You know, I want to finish with this wonderful illustration which I thought I had in here. Wow. So organized I left it in my office. But fortunately, I have a backup here. I know, that's the way I feel too. 
Let's get out of here. Well, I'm going to do it from memory, which could be a shocker, but uh, David Brannard was really the first missionary to the Native American people. I don't know if you realize this, but when the first believers, and they were believers, the pilgrims came over uh, to this nation up in uh, Massachusetts, in their charter statement was a desire to be a blessing. Wow. How did you come up with this, Brandon? I don't know. He just has a printer there. But you know, I'm going to still try to do this because I, I know his life because it was in, so inspirational to me. And um, the, the purpose they had in their charter statement was to be a blessing to the Native American people, who, by the way, didn't know Christ, didn't have the Word of God, and the culture of worshiping the sun, worshiping, you know, there's a lot of noble things about Native Americans, but they didn't have truth. So they came with that purpose. Advance a hundred years and you have this wonderful, great revival that came under Jonathan Edwards. And David Brannard came to Christ through this amazing revival where many people committed their lives to the Lord and David Brannard decided that he was going to reach out to the Native Americans on the Delaware a gap, which is not too far from here in New York. Now what's interesting is the first thing you would do back then, and it's hard to believe now based on the curriculum and the coursework in these universities, but Yale, Princeton, and Harvard all were chartered schools to, do, to train people for ministry, specifically to reach out to the Native American. You wouldn't think that today, but that was there. So he went to Yale, but he was so zealous for the things of God that the, he was expelled. They said, calm down, young man. But he befriended Jonathan Edwards, and eventually he would wind up uh, ministering to the Native Americans. And what makes his life so important is, and before I end with a, a story about him, is Jonathan Edwards, when he died after only six years working with the Native Americans, wrote a biography on his life. And that biography went in the hands of thousands and thousands of people, one of them being William Carey, who's considered the father of modern missions and one of the first missionaries to India. And through this biography, thousands of other missionaries went around the world to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even though his life was cut short by tuberculosis. So, I'll finish with this. He arrives at the... Native American camp, in the evening he's a bit outside the camp, he decides the next morning he's going to go and share the gospel. What he didn't realize that the Native Americans were very clever in terms of scouts and knowing their surroundings, they were already following him. They follow him in the night, he sets up camp, and they go back, report to the chief, and the chief says, okay, we're going to go back with a group of braves and kill him. There are so many bad business people that came from the, the European whites against the Indians, which is the only, unfortunately the only story we hear. That's not the only story. That they decide that he must be one of them, and they decide to kill him.
So that night, when the warriors silently drew clear to, near to his camp, they saw an image that they would repeat many, many times in their oral traditions. Brannard was on his knees praying for them. And according to their report, while he prayed, a rattlesnake squirmed up to him, lifted up its head, flicked its tongue in the midst of his at the light of his camp, close to his face within inches, and then for no apparent reason glided away into darkness. This made the chief and warriors so nervous, instead of killing him, they returned to their campsite, and when Brannard entered the Indian village the next morning, he received a much more gracious welcome than he anticipated, because this is a violent warrior tribe. And when the Indians gather around in an open place among the wigwams, he opened his Bible and he translated the best he could into their language from Isaiah 53 and tenderly told the story of God sent his son to die on a cross to take away the sins of uh, their tribe. The story is, is that tribe eventually came to Christ. Not only them, but also he had a ministry amongst the Lenape, not too far from here in Delaware. They came to Christ. And a lot of these Native Americans in this area, which we don't see because they became so integrated, is a lot of them became believers in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though he suffered tremendously with tuberculosis and the difficulty of language and everything else, we see that through his life, the gospel seed planted and this promise that was given to Abraham to be a blessing to all nations was his. That promise is ours today if we're willing to accept it. If you're willing to follow Jesus, not only will he give you that purpose, that vision, but to, to bless this world, but then he'll lead you, and even in the difficulties, something good will come out of that, and you'll be changed for a better person. That is the pattern of this great gospel. So I don't know where you're at this morning. My prayer is that every one of us would be deeply committed to following Christ, uh, but maybe you're on the edge and you're going to say, ah, you know, I don't want the difficulty, I want comfort. Is life really going that well for you, by the way? Are, is life really going that well for you without Jesus? I bet you it's not. Invite him in. And though it may not be easy, you'll have a purpose greater than yourself. And nothing is greater than living for something beyond ourselves. Then guess what? Something happens to me, I'm okay with that because I'm living for something greater. Amen to that? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word that you've given to Abraham that we are recipients of the blessing even to this day. Lord, your word is true. And your purposes are eternal. Help us to heed to these things, Lord. And we would pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the previous message. We pray that you were blessed by it. 
For more information, please visit us at www.ibcnj.org.